Here we go on this Monday, August the 24th, in the year of our Lord 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. You're listening to Law and Gospel. And on Mondays, what do we examine? We examine a reading for the following Sunday, which is the 13th Sunday after Pentecost, occurring on August the 30th. One of the few months in which you have five Sundays. And uh, the churches that I'm going to be dealing with, there's four of them, they have communion on this fifth Sunday each time. The readings are from Jeremiah 15, the ongoing reading from Romans uh, chapter 12, and Matthew 16. We're going to take a look at Romans chapter 12. And the reason we're going to do this is because we made a point in the open mic Friday and we read a letter from a individual who really wants to make sure that sermons are Christ-centered and particularly don't give the impression that by your works you are saved. So Romans 12 is an interesting passage because Paul begins, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. And he continues with a whole bunch of, it appears to be commandments as to what we are to do. So the question that might come up is, how can you do a sermon like this without giving the impression that by your doing these things, it is the cause of your salvation? Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil. Theology is the art of making distinctions. When we talk about Jesus Christ, uh, sometimes he gives the impression he's not sure what is going on. Remember that woman who touches him to be healed, and he says, who did that? And looks around, the disciples say, everybody is squeezing against you. Uh, how are you going to be able to tell who it was? And then other times, wow, he stands up in a boat and tells the wind and the wave to be still, and they are. Now, this is very ambiguous. And a gospel like the gospel, according to St. Mark, shows the ambiguity of Jesus in the minds of the disciples. They, a lot of times, can figure out what he is doing and why he is doing. In fact, last week, we talked about how God's ways are inscrutable which means you really can't figure him out. He does it because he has a reason, but a lot of times he won't give the reason. So the distinction we make about Jesus when he says he doesn't even know the last day when it will occur, that would be in a state of humiliation. As a human being, he therefore does not know the last day, but as God, 
he does know the last day, and therefore when he is exalted to the right hand of God, the Father, he definitely understands when the last day is coming. So the distinction between humiliation, where he did not make full use of his divine authorities, and exaltation, where he did make full use, that's a very helpful distinction to help understand some of the passages in the Bible so they don't appear to be contradictions. Well, what's the distinction that we're going to use in Romans chapter 12 so we don't give the impression that your works are the foundation of your salvation? The distinction is justification versus sanctification. Now, a lot of people may not understand that distinction. Both words are used in the Bible. Justification is really talking about that point in your life when Jesus gives you faith through the power of the Holy Spirit, and through that faith you believe the promises and you are therefore saved. You are therefore a child of God. And there's nothing you can do in order to make yourself a child of God any more than an orphan can do something to become a child of new parents. We do not talk about orphans making the decision but rather the parents, and you get adopted into the family of God. That's justification. Now, does the child do any good works in order to be adopted? No, not at all. But does the child do good works once they are adopted? And the answer to that is yes. When you're a member of the family, even as an infant, good works could be the following. You eat the food you are given. You sleep in the bed that you are provided. You drive or ride in a car that is being driven by your parents. These are all works you do, but they are not what makes you an adopted child, they are the result of being an adopted child. So when you read Romans chapter 12, you need to understand that what Paul is writing about is not justification. You don't let your love be genuine so you can be saved. You let your love be genuine because you have already been saved. In fact, if you take a look at verse 10, it says, love one another with brotherly affection. So you're already a brother to other members of the family. And therefore, you know what a difference it makes. Uh, I, I like kind of watching various movies, and let's say the sister is getting in trouble 
Maybe some people are picking on her. Guess who comes to her rescue? Her brother. And sometimes he may even have to fight for her honor. But that's because they are brother and sister. Blood between family members is really critical. In fact, uh, you see a lot of times somebody gets arrested for murder and they are put in jail. Who comes to visit them? Mother, sometimes father, because they are blood relatives. And the mother still continues to love the child that committed the murder. So love one another with brotherly affection. What Paul is talking about here is in our life of sanctification. And that word sanctification comes from the word sanctus, which means to be holy. God desires us to be holy, but not in order to get saved, but to instead do what we want to do because we have been saved. Therefore, love should be genuine. You, you don't love someone out of self-interest. I mean, how many times does that occur in our lives when we see somebody who may be important and we pretend we really like them and others maybe in the office when they see that, they say, oh, you're just trying to make up to that person so you get a raise or a promotion. Well, that's not genuine love. Genuine love means you really care for the people because of how much Jesus cared for you. You abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Now, how does a Christian abhor what is evil? It's part of the message of John the baptizer. He had a baptism of repentance. And every time we sin and we recognize that sin, we abhor it because we recognize it's going against our Savior, Jesus, who died for the forgiveness of our sins. And to abhor it means to repent of that sin. That means to be contrite over what we had done and often ask Jesus, would you help me in not doing that? Now, it is impossible for you to stop from sinning. You may be able to stop certain deeds. For example, let's say you're addicted to drugs. It's quite possible that you can get treatment and stop being addicted and taking drugs. But what about your thoughts? What about your words? You can't control them. And you may have the thought, for example, of desiring that drug. And even that thought is sin. Remember what's at the center of sin. Spell it. S-I-N. I. What's at the center of pride? Spell it. P-R-I-D-E. And so that's all that sin is, where we begin to think more about ourselves than about 
Jesus. In verse 10, it says, outdo one another in showing honor. Now, part of the lesson from last week, the gospel reading, is people were really angry at Jesus because he was saying things and doing miracles, and he was taking honor away from other members of the community. And people just don't like that when somebody is thought to be more honorable than you. And so there were many reasons why people deny Jesus. Some of them were because of his teaching. He is the Messiah. He is the one who can forgive sins. Who can forgive sins but God alone, said the Pharisees. But other reasons is because of the community. Jesus was known, for example, that he was born out of wedlock. Even the Pharisees in chastising Jesus says, well, we were not born out of immorality. So it was a well-known fact that Mary was pregnant out of wedlock. Remember, Joseph was ready to divorce her. And so when Jesus came to his own hometown and began to speak uh, the message of what he had, people looked down on him because of his background, having been born out of immorality and he was a carpenter. Believe it or not, in those days, carpenters were looked down upon. Why? Because in these small towns, there was rarely enough work to stay there permanently. So the carpenter, even if he was married with children, would often have to go to other towns to build edifices and therefore they were away from their family and were not considered really taking care of their family that well. So for Jesus to be a carpenter, that was not a vocation that people looked up to, but looked down to. And therefore, they were saying he was taking honor away from others. But he wasn't. He was God. How could he not be honored? Verse 13, uh, 11, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in servant. Serve the Lord. Now, boy, the end of that statement shows that we are talking about someone who is a believer. And a lot of people are slothful in zeal. They may be asleep on the job, or they take undue rest. Uh, they may not get up in time. Uh, they are late for things, and they're zealous over that. That's their characteristic. But instead, we're to be fervent in spirit because we're really serving the Lord. I, I talked about that we would give tips to those who picked up garbage at our house 
because they really did a good job. They would uh, take care of the garbage in the bins and then put the bins down properly. And that was a great vocation. And in that way, the Lord was being served in keeping the neighborhood clean. Verse 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Once more, the ending of that shows this is being written to believers. They already are Christian because to be constant in prayer means that you are in communication with the Holy Spirit. For instance, there's that passage that says, we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Holy Spirit takes our prayers refashions them and makes them perfect when they are heard before God the Father at the right hand where Jesus is. And so we can rejoice in hope regardless of what is happening in our lives. We have hope that things will be working out to our good because all things are worked out to our good as Jesus promises in Romans 8, 28. And we can be patient in tribulation. Uh, there's a, a lot of times when even pastors undergo tribulation, just as Jesus did. Uh, for example, he would preach the same sermon, the same message about the forgiveness of sins through him in two towns. The one town would be so amazed that they would throng around him, wanting him to continue to heal and to hear the message. Whereas his hometown, they thought he was taking honor from other people in the town. And remember, they were ready to throw him off the cliff. So tribulation can come regardless of what you are preaching if it is the word of God. And we need to be patient in that tribulation, which means we ought to expect it. Remember the Beatitudes talk about blessed are those who are persecuted for my sake. Then verse 13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Now, what's hospitality? Hospitality is being kind to the neighbor. And there's no doubt that the neighbor can even include those who are your enemy. That's found in the very next verse, 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means that if your enemy, and we go down to verse 20. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. So for by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. This often occurs in wars. Uh, for example, during World War II, there were medical facilities to help wounded soldiers. 
and there were nurses there. Well, occasionally, uh, a Nazi soldier would be wounded and be brought to their care. Did the nurses ignore the Nazi soldier? No. Gave him something to eat, gave him something to drink, tended to his wounds, because that was their vocation. And there are stories about when even the enemy is treated with love. It's kind of like heaping burning coals on his head, making him more aware of the fact that, boy, why are these people doing this? This happened during the tsunami. In certain places, people lost their homes. Uh, they lost their farms. And the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, spent quite a bit of money in sending people to these areas to help rebuild homes, to give them food and needed clothing. And a lot of times they believed in karma, these folks, which meant you get what you deserve. They thought the tsunami, therefore, was sent by their gods to punish them for something they had done wrong. And they couldn't understand all these Lutherans coming in and other Christians helping to rebuild their homes. And it gave an opportunity for the Christians to share the message of Jesus Christ with them. In fact, in Sri Lanka, where there was much devastation, three new Lutheran churches have been erected due to the work of Christians coming in and helping during the time of the tsunami. So verse 21, which is the ending of our reading, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, this is a real challenge to the church today because there are people who have evil in their hearts against the church's teaching, particularly in areas of morality. As somebody mentioned to me that they were talking to a friend, and when their friend heard that we were speaking uh, against those who are in support of homosexuality and abortion, uh, the friend said, oh, they better be quiet because if they're under 501c3, which is a government internal revenue way of being able to receive donations and the people who send them can take them off their income tax, well, my listener was told we could lose our 501c3 if we spoke out against homosexuality, abortion, etc. Well, that's just not true. No, we live in a country, and that's not true in every country, where we have freedom of speech. And therefore, KFUO has been on the air, I, I believe it's the longest radio station professing Jesus Christ as Lord, as Savior, that has ever occurred. And 
Nobody is shutting us down uh, because we speak God's word, because we have the freedom and the right to speak God's word. So this Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 21, is really important, but not as a way of how you become saved. No, this is written to people who have already been saved, not by their works, but by grace through faith, believing the promises of Jesus Christ in light of his death and his resurrection, the promises of the forgiveness of sins, the robe of righteousness, and the many promises that God will never leave us nor forsake us. This is really important to keep in mind that this passage is of sanctification. It's kind of the third use of the law we talk about. What does God desire me to do? Well, he desires you to make sure your love is genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection. And why Jesus is throughout this passage. In fact, that's what we're going to be talking about on the next Law and Gospel, which is Rumination Tuesday with Mark Smith. We're going to be taking a look at a hymn, and the title of the hymn is Hail Thou Once Despised Jesus. Yes. Jesus was despised because he carried our sin to the cross and paid for it. So we'll take a look at that hymn tomorrow with Mark Smith. Join us at 9.30 and continue to do work of sanctification, not because you are saved by it, but because you have already been saved through faith in Jesus Christ. I'm Tom Baker. God Listen bless you. Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.